0: Hey, thanks for tuning in into the City Life Church podcast. We are a church in San Francisco, and we exist so that people that are far from God, we encounter his presence and experience the life that only Christ offers. We pray that this word will challenge you and encourage you in your walk of faith with Jesus. And we know we have a saying around here that a quiet church is a dead church so i give you permission in the building to holler at your boy to preach with the preacher today but if you're online be sure to like throw some emojis on the screen so that we can uh, interact with you throw those little fire emojis double hands kisses whatever it is but let us know that you're tuning in shout out to pastor lamia our online campus pastor tuning in dan and debbie all the way in Daly city thank you for tuning in and many others as well amen praise god so good to be in the house of the lord and today we are in for a treat I love meeting new friends today. I don't know if you've ever had like one of those friends where you're like, I can't wait to introduce you to the rest of my crew. Today I have the privilege of introducing friends to our church for the first time. I've known Pastor David Freck for for several years now. He serves on the apostolic leadership team of MFI and he pastors a phenomenal church, Church of the Harvest in Kansas City. But they say that behind every good man there's a great woman and her name is Pastor Tracy. They've been married now for how many years again? 39 years in full-time ministry 40 years the bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing pastor tracy you are amazing i I could hear you worshiping right next to us there there's an anointing and a grace upon you no wonder pastor charity gets that anointing she gets it from you and uh, we're honored to have you but pastor david will be preaching the word today i I just got to preface this by saying he is a kansas city chiefs fan but we we choose to forgive All right. Some of us are still healing from the Super Bowl a couple years ago. And um, but we won't hold that against him. He's got some of the chiefs uh, players that attend their church. And uh, so just pray for his soul today. All right. Bless him. But um, he's been married for 39 years and full time ministry for 40 years already. He just turned 60. It's like, wow, how did that happen? Another white ball dude coming to preach. But um, not only is he an outstanding preacher hearing his stories throughout the week uh, weekend, I shared last week with you that he is a black belt, three-time UFC, not UFC, jiu-jitsu world champion. And um, not only that, but he's all about missions and missions trips. And uh, I thought I had it tough when I had gone to India a few times and just like, man, some of the travels, you know, 20-something hours in a bus or a train. I thought that was tough until he told me he was actually locked up for seven days. Yeah, that's missions uh, trip right there. Um, And so he's traveled around the world, preached around the world, and then to top it off, Pastor Isaac, he also is a, a pilot. He pilots planes. Come on, somebody. So it's like, this dude right here can bring it. Today, would you stand to your feet and help me welcome our new friend, to City Life Church from Kansas City, Pastor David Fred. Come on, Pastor Tracy. We love you guys welcome 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 we love you guys welcome I gave him permission to just preach his heart out and to go as long as he needs to preach come on somebody are you ready all right Pastor Trace, why don't you say just a hello wait wave at the people let them know what's on your mind your heart hi guys it's so great to see you today you know what you look like our church a little bit of heaven right here right right yeah every kindred tribe nation and tongue amen And we're all here to worship Jesus and lift him up. Amen. One common goal, one bit of family right here. We're so glad to be with you this morning. Thank you so much for having us. We appreciate it. We love you already just because you look like our people.
1: Come on, let's hear it for Jesus in the room. Can we do it? I... uh, Wow, I am, I can't tell you, I haven't been this excited about being somewhere uh, in so long as I am about being here. Just, I got a great sense of what the Spirit of God wants to release into the house today. But, but I got to tell you, I got to brag on your pastors a little bit. Uh, they are, you know, I, I thought, man, you know, another, well, let's just be honest about it. I'm just the older, balder, uglier version of your pastor. Let's just... Let's just get that out right now. Right here on the spot, let's just deal with it. But you, you guys have the bomb.com. I met your pastor years ago uh, in, in ALT and he and Elena and, and just the grace that they have, the generosity of spirit. They throw their arms around everybody. They love everybody. And then, and then I looked at his tennis shoes. And, and, you know, he's just slick and cool and sharp and unique. Anybody feeling me? Are you feeling me, anybody? And and just and I thought, man, what kind, of, what kind of church does this couple pastor? What? And then I show up, and it's, yeah, you're all that. You're slick, and you're cool, and you're, you got it going on. You wear cool tennis shoes. I mean, it's just, it's just what we were hoping for. And we landed in the middle of it. We don't have this in Kansas City. It doesn't exist. It starts here, and it works its way to us. And by the time it gets to us, we're already 10 years behind you. But uh, we really do appreciate the honor. And, and you guys have just treated us like royalty. Uh, Pastor Jonathan, Pastor uh, Elena, what a, what a pleasure, what a joy, just, just lavishing us with their generous spirit. And, and I know that that's uh, the house. I know that's what the house is. And so we're just celebrating that. We rejoice in it. I've got to somehow live up to this standard that they've set. Uh, but we're excited to get them. I hope you'll let them come and see what you know, the other side or the middle of the country looks like and uh, share them with us for a few days. I know they'll be a blessing. We're gonna get them out there soon. All right, grab your Bibles if you have one. If you don't, pick up your phone, your iPad, your device, or I'm sure there'll be something on a screen. I want to say yo to all the people that are checking in. I mean, this this place is vibing. I I, I you know, I walk in and, and you you see the front and you're like, okay, okay, okay. And, and then you come in, and it's like it just gets cooler and cooler, and it's like, it's like Jesus. You know, you see the front, you're not too impressed, but as you get deeper, you get further in. It just becomes more extravagant and dynamic and powerful and intrinsic and luminate, and that's exactly what this house is, and so I'm excited. Welcome. Uh, it's just been a pleasure to be here already, and, and uh, grab your Bibles. Go to 2 Corinthians. We're going to share with you a couple thoughts that I have. Um, The Spirit of God, I I heard that the series was uh, the road trip, the road trip, just the journey with Jesus. And I've been following Jesus for a few years now, a couple decades or three or four or five. And it's been interesting. I can tell you that it's not boring. I can tell you that if you are sincere and you pursue him with passion, you're going to discover uh, layers and levels you would have never dreamed were possible. You know, there's a dead end behind every drug. There's a dead end behind every glass. There's a dead end behind every illicit relationship. There's a dead end behind the pursuit of even money or things or stuff. But when you pursue Jesus, there's no dead end because there's eternity behind it. It doesn't fall. It doesn't fail. It doesn't end. It doesn't run dry. It doesn't get old or stale. It never does. It never will. But when we find that and we lay, uh, can I preach in this house? Is it okay? I mean, I got a little Pentecost in me, so I kind of go there a little bit. And uh, at my house, you know, we've got an eclectic church. Our church is half African American, and uh, we're very eclectic. We've got a unique, we don't reflect our our culture at all, uh, our community at all. We do not reflect it. Our our church is a, a reflection of heaven. And uh, most people strive to be a reflection of their community. If that would be true, my church would only be, would be 97% Caucasian. Because that's the community I'm in. But for some reason, God broke through all of that and said, I'm going to make your church look just like heaven. And I found out my goal wasn't to look like my community. My goal was to look like the heaven that, that we're going to go, the citizenship that we carry. And so we decided we were going to create a kingdom culture and we were going to pursue Jesus and we were going to love everybody that Jesus sent to us, Jesus attracted to us. It didn't matter their hair color, their skin color, their tattoo color, the piercings or the lack thereof, their clothes or lack there. well, you have got to wear clothes. But the point is, is there's something powerful about the reality of what God wants to do when we just pursue him. And so as I was praying about what God wanted to do in this house, I, I believed that there is a distinctive that comes with those that follow Jesus with the power of the Holy Spirit that we need to all understand. And if we'll understand it, it will take us to not only expressions and experiences, but impact levels that I believe the body of Christ has to have in this generation, has to have now. And so I'm going to talk about the three, not just the three anointings, but the anointings that we need to have in following Jesus. And the anointings we actually have because of our pursuit of Jesus. So let's look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, it says, And it, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us. Somebody say it, anointed us. Anointed. Come on online, say anointed me. Anointed. And has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. First John 2.20 says, but you have an anointed, you have been anointed by the Holy One. And that word Holy One literally means the anointed one. You've been anointed by the anointed one. And you all have knowledge. Now this anointing is critical because if you read the scriptures and you study the idea of the anointing, we tend to think in our current culture, we tend to think that the anointing is a feeling. It's a vibe. It's a, a zip and a zing. It's an energy level. We think it's a force. It's, uh, it's kind of an unction for the function thing. And I get it. I understand where we get that and understand how we process it. But if you look at the scriptures, you'll understand it's more tactile than that. It's more distinctive and it's more determinate than just kind of something that rushes upon you and all of a sudden you have this surge of adrenaline or this surge of Holy Ghost power. Those moments happen and I'm glad for them. There's times when I get up and I'm like, all of a sudden I feel a mantle fall on me and I, there's, a, there's an anointing for healing or there's anointing for deliverance or there's anointing for the gifts of the Holy Spirit or there's anointing for salvation or whatever the context is. But I want to talk about an anointing that is a sustainable, livable function of life. And when we get that sustainable, livable function of life, we begin to discover what God is able to do. So if you'll discover the scriptures, you'll understand there are three dynamics that are Typified by the anointing. The first one is what I will call the social anointing. There's a social anointing. Now, you'll discover it in the scriptures in, in Psalm 23. It says, you prepare a table before me where? In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Amen. Amen. Now, this social anointing is powerful. You'll remember the story. I believe it's in Luke chapter uh, 7 where a woman comes into a party where Jesus has been invited by a Pharisee. And when he walks into this party, he's sitting down or he's he's preparing to recline at table. Now they don't sit like you and I sit, we pull up under our seats and pull up, no, in, in biblical times, they actually laid on pillows and the height of the table was essentially just barely off the ground. And they would lay reclined and so your feet would be near the head or the face of the person next to you. And somebody's feet would be near your face. How many are loving this idea? There's a reason we went to tables and chairs. But the point here is is that, is that when this was going on, there was a standard of living in relationship to the world because they didn't have the cool tennis shoes that Pastor John John walks around in. They had sandals and bare feet. And so the common custom when you entered the home was you had to wash your feet. Now, if you were a significant individual, you would have a servant wash your guest's feet. It was a common, accepted social practice. They would wash your feet so they'd get the dirt because you're about to put your feet next to somebody's head who's eating. Right. So you can see it wasn't just kind of a, a, a spiritual thing. It was a practical thing. They said, listen, I, I don't want to eat with the smell of the stuff that's in the street. Yeah. Right. Messing with the aroma of my Kansas City barbecue. Oh, I'm sorry, we're in San Francisco. San Francisco barbecue. And so, and so the other thing that they would do is they would anoint you as you entered. They would wash your feet and they would anoint your head with oil. Why? To take the aroma of the environment you just left and make it sweet. Take the dirt and the smells and the smokes that existed all throughout the culture and the, the busyness of a large community, and, and, and it was to give you the smell of the house. The myrrh, the aroma of what that, so that everything, because your taste is affected by what you smell. And so, so you, would, you would anoint their head with oil, and you would remove the offending smells of the feet. And this would create the environment for fellowship. Anybody tracking with me? So the social anointing was a grace for hospitality. A grace for the ability to elevate others, to take the stuff that they were coming into your house with and eliminating it. And setting them up for fellowship and communion. There's something powerful about when I walked into New City Church today, I I felt this social anointing. This thing that says, hey, whatever you're coming into the house with, we're about to anoint your head with oil and we're about to get the dirt off your feet. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where what where your path took you this week. I don't know what you had to walk through or the stuff you had to step over or the stuff you fell into or the stuff that splashed on you or whatever this smoke filled environments and the stenches of death that are all around you, when you came into the house this morning, something happened inside your spirit, and you begin to feel an aroma of grace, an aroma of presence, an aroma that's setting you up to have a confrontation with a holy God. Oh, somebody, somebody, now in Kansas City, we shout, we wave hankies, we roll on the floor. It's the ability to elevate others, this social anointing. When people run into you, does the smell go away? Or do you add to the odor? When people run into you, do they feel the crust and the stuff that's stuck to them being washed away? I love hanging out with your pastors the last couple days because when I'm around them man, we just I, I, I just feel them working my spiritual feet. I feel them pouring oil on me. And your pastors have got this. They model it so beautifully. It's this spirit, this grace to honor. It's also a reflection of extravagant generosity. Now you remember the story that I just started in Luke chapter 7, he goes into this house and a woman breaks in, kind of crashes the party. And she gets there and she stands where Jesus is sitting and because his feet are reclined, she's standing at his feet. And as she's standing at his feet, she's overwhelmed with a sense of the honor of being in the presence of Jesus. Nobody else has this same sense, but she does. Moving her to emotion, and she's weeping. And as she's weeping, her, her tears are falling. And as they're falling, I mean, imagine the kind of weeping that's going on. Where I mean, this isn't a gentle, this is, this is heaving, and the tears are running down her cheeks and they're landing on his feet. And she sees an opportunity because if his feet had been taken care of. She wouldn't have seen the splotches of mud as the water drips from her face and hits his feet. It would have been just water on feet. But, but no, she sees dirt. And she realizes, man, I have an opportunity to do something for Jesus that somehow this honored guest didn't experience when he walked in the door. And when we come into the house today, I wonder how many of us see the opportunity to serve Jesus by serving others. When you've done it to the least. And, and she sees it and then she realizes, I don't have a towel. This is not my house. I, don't, I can't ask for one. And so she conveniently does something very inappropriate. She pulls her head covering off and she takes her hair down and she wipes feet she's willing to absorb the stuff Jesus had to walk through make it a part of her life and all of a sudden everybody stops and they're not eating anymore and they're not dropping grapes into their mouth and they're not having smooth conversations now they're being critical I met I met a brother as I was walking in he's a part-time judge I said I know a lot of people that are full-time judges Think about it. You'll figure it out. Online got it. They've got, they're have clapping. They've got the laughing tears thing going on. And so what happens is, is then she breaks out a flask of oil. And she busts it. And she pours it out over his feet. An inappropriate place to pour it. You would normally pour it on his head, but she pours it on his feet. And everybody's like, if, if this guy was really a man of God, he would know the kind of woman. Because the only way she's described in the scripture is as a sinner. Right. If this was really a man of God, he would know the kind of woman that's touching him. They were more concerned about a, a woman that had a reputation than they were about the fact that they had missed Come on. That's right. the honor right. of Jesus. Right. Yeah. And finally, Simon says something and Jesus turns to Simon and says, Do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. These are the common hospitality greetings of the culture. I'm your guest. I was invited by you, and you didn't even do the standard. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with precious ointment. You see, what happens is when we take the social grace and we understand how it relates to others it becomes the anointing for our worship and our fellowship and i'm here to tell you every one of you have this anointing it's been given to you by god according to first corinthians and first john there's this reality that we as believers have that you have been anointed to take stuff off of people and to elevate people and to empower people and to turn the tendencies and the junk and the garbage and then to then turn it around and then offer it unto God as worship and fellowship it's not a song it's not a tempo it's a connection That happens at the feet of Jesus. That only happens at the feet of Jesus. Well, there's another anointing, and I'm just touching, I'm touching, because this isn't really my message. How long y'all got? I'm on Kansas City time, so. (laughs) Healing anointing. So there's a social anointing. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. And then there's a healing anointing. This grace for recovery and restoration. This ability to minister a cure, care of compassion, the administration of the power of God to heal. Somebody say healing. Healing. I'm I'm assuming we're in a house that believes in healing. I've seen God do some remarkable things in this environment. I've, I've seen God make ways where there wasn't any way. But the Bible says when Jesus introduces himself as the anointed one, he says... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set at liberty the captive, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then I heard Jesus say a little bit further down the scriptures, he said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Guess what? You've got the same anointing. He that lives in you is greater than he that's in the world. You've got that same anointing to preach the gospel." you got that same anointing uh, to heal the sick. you got that same anointing uh, to break fetters and bonds. You've got the same anointing that God has placed on. Now, there's a practical application of this. It's found in James. So, When he says, is there anybody sick among you, then do something. I want you to call for the elders of the church. I want you to anoint them with oil. That's right. I want you to pray the prayer of faith. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord Come on. will raise them. Up. That's right. yeah. I believe the only reason why we don't see the healing anointing is because we don't believe we have it. Say that. Say it. Come on! I, I, I see that amen. It's right there. It's on the screen. There's several of them. Thank you. You're making up for the... They're doing okay. <laughs> healing. Well, if I'm sick, can I pray for healing? Yeah, you're still anointed. It might not be manifesting in you in this moment, but it still doesn't mean it's hindered in others. And I want to suggest your gifts and your anointings aren't for you anyhow. I want to suggest they're for others. Here's what it says in John chapter 9. He met a blind man on the side of the road and the blind man wanted to be healed. So what did Jesus do? He spit on the ground. He made mud with the saliva. And then he, uh, this is the word, he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. I'm going to suggest that healing anointings don't always look like the scented, fragrant, smooth things. That come from olives and apothecaries. I'm going to suggest that sometimes it's rugged and it's rough and it's not typical or usual and it comes in environments and in situations that are a bit muddy and a bit messy and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense and and it doesn't happen. He slapped this mud on the man's face and then didn't have the grace to even send a guide to help him find the pool of Siloam. He said, go wash the pool of Siloam. I'm sure you'll stumble your way there. And he had to walk through an environment of a city with mud on his face. And I wonder how many people interrupted him and said, hey, who did this to you? Were there some really unkind kids that making fun? Let me, let me help you with that. Let me clean. No, 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 no. Right. No, I, I'm a, I, This man, Jesus, did it. And, he's got, and he told me if I'd wash in the pool, of just... Point me in the direction of the pool of Silo because I'm willing to walk with the anointing of mud until the healing <laughs> till the healing comes. <laughs> if you can't say amen, sing it. it Come on. Come on. Uh. Amen. I remember the first time this happened with me. It was... I, I've watched God do healings in my life and in many people's life, but I'll tell you. Can I tell you one story? I'll tell you one story. I, I have a couple. I remember uh, my wife and I were driving down the road one day with another pastor. We were going uh, to a preacher's conference, and as we're going to this preacher's conference, I'm young in ministry. I've only been in it about a year or so, and and uh, I remember Ford Pintos. Does any anybody old enough to remember what a Pinto is? Yeah, um, yeah, they don't exist anymore. They're, they're antiques. They're not even antiques, they're extinct. And, and they, this little Pinto comes up beside, we're driving a preacher's car, which is either a Cadillac or a Lincoln, and we're driving a Lincoln. You just have to be old school to know what I'm talking about. And we're driving a Lincoln, and, and, and this little Pinto rides up beside us on the highway, and all of a sudden, it, it, it's front end dot, drops down, it shoots off the side of the road, and begins to flip across this very large median. We, it was a very big area between the eastbound traffic and the westbound traffic and we of course pull over, we run down, I run down, the the pastor was a little older than me, didn't have quite as much hitch in his giddy up. (laughs) And I remember we, I got down to the space where the car had finally landed on its hood and its wheels were spinning in the air, dirt was all over the place and as I'm running towards it there's grass about knee high, waist high. All around and I remember as I'm running towards it I hear the screaming of a child I get there and this child is climbing out of the car about maybe 10 years old and fine really just outside of being dirty no no real issues I sent the child to go be with my wife and started looking around looked in the car there was no nobody else in the car nothing else in the car I knew that 10 year old wasn't driving at least I hope not and I, so I, I looked over and I found some matted stuff uh, about 100 feet from where the car was. I walked over there and there was a, probably a three, four-year-old child that had been knocked unconscious, thrown out of the car, had a large uh, hematoma on its head. And uh, so I started kind of trying to see what I could do for the baby and all of a sudden it started coming into consciousness, started started crying and people started gathering around as people were, would assemble during that time and... I thought all right we got two kids but we still don't have an adult. So I found a, another batted down piece of grass probably 200 feet from where I was. It was a, quite a distance and I, I ran up to it and sure enough there was a very, very large, very large African-American woman that had been thrown out of a very small car. Now if you can imagine what that would look like. she was twisted she was mangled blood was oozing out of her ears nose mouth gashes lacerations all over her she was laying in a in a in a way that I, i'm like there's no way she hasn't broken every bone in her body and so i'm not a doctor but i knelt down i tried to check her her pulse i tried to check to see if there was any respiration i couldn't see her lungs her ribs moving I couldn't feel any breath coming from her mouth or her nose. I tried to search for a pulse, could not find one. About that time, a nurse that had seen the accident came down, still had her scrubs on, had a stethoscope around her neck, ran down there, stood over the body with me. And she said, what's going on? I said, well, I mean, you're the nurse. You're more qualified at this than I am. And she sat, she checked her out, she looked for all the vitals, and then she looked up at me and she said, she's gone. I don't know if you've ever been in that kind of situation where it's out of control. Right. And an aspirin ain't gonna fix it. Right. And well wishes aren't gonna make it better. I've got two orphans. And I'm broken hearted, I'm devastated with what I'm seeing. And so I, I turned and I was beginning to walk away. About that time, the kid was the, that had the hematoma on its head started screaming even louder. She said, listen, I, there's nothing I can do here. I'm going to go over and see if I, what I can do for the, for the baby. And I said, absolutely. And So I'm standing there. Now there's a crowd that's gathered around, and we're sitting in this environment. And, and I'm just grieved, and I, like, I don't know what to do. And I hear the voice of God. How many love when God speaks in these moments? about seven of you okay and you know what he says to me pray for her now that that doesn't have to be a that doesn't have to be a request from heaven that should be the response of the soul to a situation but I, I, I just hear pray for her God doesn't make me any promises he doesn't say pray for her and I will because many of us don't want to do something unless we know what the end result is. Because I've discovered that anointings operate by a thing called faith. So I, 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 I said, No. Don't look at me like that. I said, No, I ain't, I ain't praying for her, she's dead. Now God didn't say, "I'll bring her to life." He didn't try to talk me into it. Didn't argue with me. It wouldn't. How many have ever noticed? God doesn't argue with you. There's a reason. He's got all the answers, and you're wrong. So I, I, I just, I just heard that impulse again. Pray for her. No. No, she's dead and. I would look like a fool. Now it's about what I look like, not what she looks like. So I, I kept arguing with God, kept saying no. By that time, the pastor had finally caught up to me, and he was there with me. And What's going on? I said, She's dead. I, I, you know, Oh, that's just terrible. I said, yeah, that's terrible. So we start walking away, literally start walking away. And I have a thought. I, I believe God inserted it. Here's the thought. she could be going into hell right now and you're too proud to pray that was the thought so i decided okay i'm gonna pray i got a spiritual man here he'll pray with me at least there's strength in numbers so i turned around walked over knelt over the body looked up hoping he would come as soon as he looked back he took off up the hill So I'm left alone. Now there's a circle of people around me. I need I thought, Lord, if I'm going to do this, I'm just going to do it like I'm in church. Because the, you know, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So this is your church just like any other place. So here we go. So I got a hold of her. I put my hand on her head and I started rebuking death. I started commanding life and healing to come into her body. I started praying like I'm preaching. And all of a sudden I heard that crowd that had gathered around me. They started Rebuking me, they started cursing me. You crazy Christian nuts, what do you think you're doing? Don't you realize what an embarrassment, what a dishonor this is? Who let you out of your cage? And I just kept praying because the louder I got, I hope I drowned out what they were saying. Next thing I know, I'm, I'm kind of coming to a conclusion in my prayer. Nothing's happening, but I'm obeying the Lord. All of a sudden, I felt a hand on my shoulder. I thought, oh, great, it's the guys with the white jackets, or it's the police, or whatever. I didn't know who. I felt this hand on my shoulder, and the person behind me started praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm like, oh, let's go. So we went back at it. Started praying, revived the prayer I just prayed. Went after it again. Got done praying. She coughed three times, opened her eyes, and came back to life. (laughs) About, about that time I sworn, the, the ambulance got there the paramedics got there they come rushing in I'm holding her hand I'm just not and then they you know of course they wanted the space so they took the space got her on a gurney her, her blood stopped flowing she fell she fell back into her position I don't, know, I don't I, you know we didn't have cell phones we didn't have any of that stuff back then so I couldn't follow it up I don't know what happened but I know that in that moment God brought resurrection life to her here's my point you carry this with you and all you got to do is obey the voice of God come on results please us but faith pleases him And if we'll understand, if we'll just obey God, if we'll just put it to the test, I'm telling you, there's people that you know that are in the hospital. Don't be afraid to pray. Don't be afraid to believe. Don't be afraid to talk to that person who's got a wrecked relationship or that person who's in depression or that person who's tormented in their spirit. God is the answer. He is the deliverer. He is the healer. He is Rafa. He makes a way where there is no way. He is life and that more abundantly. i got to hurry because i got to get to my message. I've seen God raise five people from the dead in my ministry. And I will tell you that in every instance, I don't know that there was any extraordinary faith on my part. But I've discovered there's something that is faith that doesn't feel like faith. Because we think faith is when we feel it. Or when we convince ourselves mentally that that's what it is. But I'm going to suggest that faith looks a lot like obedience. When you just obey what God says. Whether you feel like you got it or you don't got it. Whether you get a chill pump or you get a word from the Lord or not. God says, I've got an anointing from the Holy One. Use it or lose it. There's one, more, there's one more anointing that the scriptures describe. The first one's the social one. The second one is the healing one. The third one is what I would call the consecrating anointing. And this is the anointing that we're most familiar with, to be quite honest. It is the anointing that establishes and dedicates a person or thing to the service and purpose of God. This consecrating anointing is the anointing that is described when the priests stepped in and they're anointed with oil at the moment they accept their service in in the temple. It's the anointing that was required before a king could enter his role to lead the kingdom. It's the anointing that was the distinguishing factor for the Messiah, which means the anointed one. He is the anointed. He's the one that has been consecrated and dedicated to the purpose of the salvation of all mankind. I'm going to suggest that the anointing, all the other anointings, really come out of this one. That many of us expect God to move and work through our lives in generosity, in power, in hospitality, in grace, in healing, in deliverance. But we don't consecrate ourselves. We don't dedicate ourselves to his service. We add God to our life and expect the supernatural expressions of who God promises himself to be. You, you mind if I mess with you a little bit? Do you mind if I get in your stuff? you mind if I meddle? i got enough old school in me that doesn't mind meddling a little bit. And so this grace, we we see it in the Scriptures, all through the Scriptures. You shall put them on Aaron, speaking of the robes, your brother, and on his sons with him, and shall anoint them and ordain them and consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests. Roman Revelation chapter 1 says to him who loved us and washed us in a, from our own sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests. You can't be a king without the anointing. You can't be a priest without the anointing. And if God has called you to be a king and a priest, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? You are anointed to rule. You are anointed to worship, which means you have to say, I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to step in, consecrate myself, dedicate myself to this thing called Christianity. This Lord called Jesus. And I'm going to serve him where he tells me to go. I'm going to do what he tells me to do. I'm going to live the way he tells me to live. I'm going to serve what he tells me to serve. I'm going to love what he tells me to love. Come on, somebody in this house. Something in our spirit has got to rise up and say it's time to trust God for the great. Than what we've known before. I gotta go to the next level. Because following Jesus is not the easy road. It says it's narrow and it's difficult. But make a decision. Commit yourself to it, and you will see God do extraordinary things. Woo! I thought I was in shape. I'm a three-time world champion in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I'm going to tell you something. You don't get that without dedication and consecration. And for an old guy, that isn't easy to do. I got to fight young lions every day. No, I'm not a recreational jiu-jitsu dude. I don't go a couple times a week and roll around with some guys and get sweaty and think I got my workout in. No, 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 I fight animals. And they're all younger than me. 20, 30, 40 years younger than me. And they wanna rip my head off and they wanna choke me and they wanna break my arm and they wanna footlock me. And guess what, I wanna do the same thing to them. Because I know if I can beat them in that environment, I can beat the old guys I fight right. in the tournaments. My point is, is I don't get there. And it's not just showing up. i got to show up with an attitude. i got to show up with a temperament. And guess what? When I go home, I can't eat potato chips. Yeah. Oh, I can, but I don't. I have the ability to eat them, trust me. No, no, no. I, I, I carve my diet. I limit things. I adjust my lifestyle. I morph and transform. I put a demand on every environment in my life. My time, my diet, my rest, my my interactions, my commitment, my training. There's a demand that's put on all of it. Why? Because I'm striving for a prize of the high call called a jujitsu gold medal. But guess what? I started a journey 50 years ago that is a higher call than that call. And I've dedicated myself and I've poured myself out and I've adjusted my lifestyle. I've adjusted what I ingest. I take care of the stuff I'm committing myself to this isn't a casual thing this isn't I'm going to show up a couple times give an offering and it's all good in the hood no no I'm giving my life to this thing I'm pouring my soul into this thing Lord if you call me you put your hand on me I'm yours do with me what you want to do anointings are functional they they can be progressive they can be seasonal they can they can be magnified and they are magnified through commitment and dedication to jesus and his word i i want to i'm i got seven minutes to finish this i don't know if i'll ever be back so i'm just gonna just blow up right here i'm gonna ruin any opportunity to ever come home and i feel at home man i really do i feel at home Thank you for, I can, tell, I can tell you guys love the word here. Tell you love Jesus because you're loving me despite me. I, um, there's a, a life that illustrates this very well. His name is David, the Lord's anointed. The powerful thing about David was he experienced three anointings in his life. Three times he was anointed, and he was anointed three times in two places. He was anointed in Bethlehem, his father's house, and he was anointed in Hebron twice, first as the king of Judah and then as the king of Israel, all of Israel. All of these anointings were defining anointings for him, but I want to just take you to the first one because it's an anointing you have. It's an anointing you you and I need to understand. So when you go to psalm 89 i'll just share this as kind of a format i have found david my servant with my holy oil i have anointed him the scriptures say so that my hand shall be established with him my arm also shall strengthen him these are the benefits of the anointing then you go to 1 samuel 16 and you hear the story of samuel as god has now rejected saul the original anointed king but because of his compromise Because of his sin, because of his disobedience, the anointing of God, the Bible says, the Spirit of God lifted from him. And an evil spirit came and began to torment him. When we don't live in the anointing, there are other factors that will come in and take up that space. Sometimes it's just depression or discouragement. Sometimes it's just being over engaged in the world and distractions. Sometimes it's more demonic and sinister. But look what it says in 1 Samuel. So so God speaks to Samuel and he says, I want you to go to the house of Jesse in Bethlehem. Now everybody say this, Bethlehem. House of bread. I'm taking you to the place of bread so you can identify the Lord's anointed. Anointing is attracted to the word of God. And our devotion and engagement with it not just reading it not just studying it but living it wow. and he sent me so it says in 1st Samuel 16 12 and he sent and brought him in now I'll, I'll just share the story with you before I read this the uh, Samuel shows up in Bethlehem he's got some uh, animals with him and he's con- kind of concerned about Saul that Saul's gonna hunt him down and kill him if he sees him going somewhere and And so he shows up there, and and Jesse says, Hey, is everything good? Is, Is it all good? I mean, we didn't expect the prophet of God to be at the house today. He said, Yeah, it's all good. I'm just here to worship. Now call your family in. The Lord wants to find somebody here. So he gathered his sons, not all of them. He left David out in the field, but he called his other brothers. He brought them in, and the first one, the biggest, the nicest, the best looking, the most distinguished, if you were to look at him, he's got all the style, all the grace, he wears the proper tennis shoes, it's all there. (laughs) And he's standing there, and the Lord, Samuel even thinks, this is the guy. I mean, he's got the look, he's got the vibe. He looks like a natural leader. He's the next king. And God says, whoa. Whoa. I haven't chosen him. Why? Because you look on man on the outward, but I see the heart of this. This isn't the one, then the next one, and then the next one, and the next one, and the next one, and they're all rejected. God doesn't approve of any of them. They all look like they fit the bill, but none of them do. And so finally Samuel says, is this all your sons? Is this it? He goes, no, we got one other kid, but, but he's, he's out in the field. How, how undistinguishable do you have to be That your dad won't even line you up for an opportunity. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've lived in a world where it seems like everybody's always been stepped in front of you. Everybody else has been seen before you. Everybody else has been considered. You've always seemed to be disregarded and unseen. And Samuel says, man, you better go get him because we ain't sitting down to eat until he shows up. So they go get him, and this is where we pick up the story in verse 12, and he sent and brought him in, and he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome, and the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. So Samuel took the oil of, the horn of oil, and he anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord, I love this, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. He said, I did what I came to do. I'm gone. This anointing is a unique anointing. It's what I would call the anointing of prophetic destiny. I want to say something to you. What in David's life changed in that moment? Outside of coming in without an oily head and going back to the sheep with an oily head, nothing. His environment didn't change. His responsibilities at home didn't change. His brothers didn't relate to him any differently. Nothing about his world in that moment changed except something shifted in the heavens. A prophetic destiny was unlocked. Listen, God in that moment through Samuel was impressing a new identity on David. An identity that wasn't being defined by his current conditions or his current position. See, some of you are saying, I feel this anointing, I have this grace, but nobody else is seeing it. I remember growing up in church and I'd be sitting on the front row like this young man. And I'd be sitting there with my buddies because in in my day all the young people had to sit on the front rows. And if anybody got out of line, anybody was allowed to flick you in here. And I remember I'd sit up there, and, 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 and these prophets would come in, and these evangelists would come in, and there's anointing, and they're spitting on everybody because, you know, <laughs> like I am right now, it kind of comes out. And they're flinging hankies and they're flinging oil and they're rolling and they're praying and they're preaching and, and, and they walk up and they say, say you're a mighty man of God and you're a mighty man of God and you're going to be an evangelist and you're going to be an anointed one and you're going to be a powerful teacher and you're going to be a prophet in the hands of God. And then they get to me and say God bless you and they keep going. And I felt this, I felt this call. Felt this anointing in me but nobody else was seeing it yeah. right. nobody else was prophesying it into me nobody else was both man thank god when you've got a prophetic uh, pastors like you do and people that can speak in your life and, and speak what they see from heaven for you thank god when these things line in your soul but i didn't have that but something man god was imprinting a prophetic destiny an anointing had come upon my life in my time with him in my time in the presence of god even as a young man and my current conditions and my current position wasn't wasn't identifying the new level god was calling me to because in this moment destiny is formed where in his father's house where is it formed by living in his father's house by serving his father's house god was nurturing the anointing Some of you are looking to break free of the very environment that God has called you to be in. Even when they don't see it, they don't feel it, they don't recognize it, but God's got you there and you're still with the stinky sheep and you're still serving your brothers and you're still running around being the handyman and the go get you boy. And yet God says, no, this is the king. I'm building him here. I'm formatting him here. I'm forging a, a new identity and a new guest. Come on, somebody in this house needs to hear what I'm saying this morning. Ooh, do you have time for me to finish this? Is it okay? If you, if you get tired, you can leave. God bless you. Have a great day. This prophetic destiny, this anointing shifted everything in David's thinking. A new level a new level that wasn't just possible. This anointing said there's a new level. What was the anointing for? You're going to be the king. You tell a, you tell a 15-year-old, 14-year-old, you're going to be the king. And what does dad do about it? Go back to those sheep, boy. Don't let, just think some, some guy walked in here, said something, lathered you. you don't think you're anything special in this house. But I'm telling you, this new level wasn't just possible. God wasn't just saying, this is a possibility for you, David. God was saying, this is necessary. It's necessary not just for you. It's necessary for the house. It's necessary for the nation. You got to understand your anointing isn't about you. Oh, I want to tell a story. You got time for a story? I was thrown in prison. I'm not going to get into all that. But I was thrown in prison in India. I get out by the miraculous hand of God. Ask Pastor John John. He'll tell you the story. Got out by the miraculous hand of God. I thought that whole thing was about me. I I, I mean, God worked some things into me, gave me revelations, poured out wisdom and direction in my life during. You know, you don't have much to do in prison in India. But pray. Talk to Jesus. In fact, I encourage it. And 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 so for 10 years, I'm, I'm walking around c- convinced that this was all about what God was doing in me and through our ministry and what he was wanting to do us in, in the world through us. And, and that's what I was convinced it was about. But then 10 years to the day, I'm back in India. To the day, wow. I'm back in India. I was invited there to help um, be a part of a conversation where a national ministry that we're associated and we help was in the running to receive a former raja's palace it's like a king's or or a princes in india a raja's palace that was being held by a missionary uh american missionary organization they were going to give it to a national ministry and let them kind of function with it and he was one of several that were being considered and i went with him and it's in the very state that i was arrested in which was Arissa. and uh, so i'm sitting there and there's only two americans there me and the American representative and I'm sitting in this room and there's a bunch of Indians and they're all talking and there's you know I don't understand anything they're saying so he and I obviously gravitate towards each other and we start talking and he says he says hey man he says uh uh, good to meet you good to meet you where you from I told him blah blah we have a small talk and then he says man have you ever been to India before now just before this my the guy I was with he said whatever you do don't tell anybody you were thrown in prison here it could create a problem I said no problem I won't tell anybody I don't want any more trouble so I'm, I'm sitting there, and he says, have you ever been? Oh, yeah, I've been, I've been here. Wow, you know, India is an amazing place, and, and uh, you know, how long ago was it that you were here? I said, uh, well, I was in India uh, actually 10 years ago today I was here. He goes, really? Wow, that's interesting. Well, India is so vast, so large, so amazing, so wonderful. What part of India were you in? Were you in the south, Hyderabad, you know, Vizak, wherever? Uh, where were you at? I said, well, believe it or not, I was here in Orissa. steps back and he looks at me and he goes 10 years ago you were in Orissa yep yeah. he said you know there was a American preacher that got thrown in prison in Orissa about 10 years ago he said well, do you know who that would be I said yeah I know who it is he said really how do you know him I said because it's me he steps back and starts crying He said, man, you're my hero. I said, why would you say that? He said, because we had been trying to get into ERISA for five years prior to that day. And there was so much anti-Christian government officials that we couldn't break through and even get into this state. He said, we were rejected at every hand. We resisted at every hand. But when you got thrown in prison, the Indian government came in behind you and they wiped and they removed anybody that was anti-Christian. Not that they became Christians, but they they put in at least uh, ambivalent people that didn't really care whether you're a Christian or not. They put those kinds of people, and it opened up the gospel to Orissa. And he said, what happened was, is we had less than one one-hundredth of a percent of Christians in this state. Now, where there are regions in Orissa that have 50, 70 percent Christians, and it is because you got thrown in prison. I'm here to tell you something, folks. It's necessary for you to walk in this anointing. It's not just a possibility. You don't know what God's setting up for you and why God's anointed you and why God's put you in that environment that you're in. It's not about you. It's about the kingdom. Sorry, I yelled. It creates a new confidence. This prophetic anointing This destiny anointing creates a new confidence and ability. Even when sent back to the fields, now it's giving a new purpose to the usual and mundane. Now he's looking at the sheep and he's not just seeing them as sheep. Now he's seeing them as his subjects. He's seeing them as the people he's going to be called to shepherd when he becomes king and he's relating to the now people are not just people and not just servants and not the people just pay taxes and make him have a luxurious life. These are people that he's here to serve. He's here to feed. He's here to take care. He's all of a sudden relating to everything different and now all of a sudden a lion shows up and he goes out and he defends his people and then a bear shows up and he goes out and defends his people and then one day while he's bringing some food to his brothers just being the fancy little guy that does the gopher work at home, he shows up and now there's a giant and nobody's willing to face him but he's got a new confidence because he's been relating to his sheep differently and he's been relating to his field differently and he's relating to his calling differently and now what he's singing he's singing to heaven and God's forging something in his soul and now he's facing a Goliath and he says yeah man I'm ready let's go put me in coach it's time to play You see, when you have an anointing from the Holy One, going to work ain't just going to work. Right. Going shopping ain't just going shopping. Amen. And serving your family isn't just serving your family. Right. All of a sudden, you're understanding there's a destiny in this. There's a purpose in it. There's a clarity of direction. All of a sudden, I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. Decisions will be run through the filter of this anointing. Right. I've been forged for such A time as this. You know what this new anointing does for him? This new anointing opens doors before he ever leads anybody. He is anointed to minister to the very person he's going to replace. And he's anointed for battle. Because these two anointings are going to stage him for his ultimate anointing. Before he fights for Saul, he ministers to Saul. Prepare the table, the Bible says. Set a watchman in the tower. Eat and drink. Arise, you princes. Anoint the shield. Why would I anoint the shield? Because your anointing is a defense in battle. The greatest test he's ever going to have isn't what Goliath brought to him. It's not the rejections he's faced in Philistia. It's going to be the pain of serving someone he loved and them trying to kill him for it. I wonder how many people here have had that same experience. I've served my family, I've served my wife, I've served this job, I've served these people, I've served this business, and they just want to kill me. You know what's going to keep you? I'm done. You know what this means? Nothing. Nothing. I can keep talking, trust me. You have an anointing from the Holy One. You're anointed for fellowship and worship. You're anointed to elevate people. You're anointed to be generous and gracious, impactful. You're anointed to take the stink off of others and project the goodness and the grace of God into their lives. For many of us, we're the only Jesus that some people will ever see. You're anointed for healing. Sometimes it's a word. Sometimes it's a prayer. Sometimes it's just a hug. You don't know what healing grace you bring with you when you interact with these people who are diseased or broken or hurting or wounded. And this is a house that's filled with anointing. When I walked in this morning, I saw it. I felt it. I sensed it. It, it, And when I talk about the house, I'm not just talking about a building. I'm talking about the house. I'm talking about you. That God has fixed. Man, you, you, you probably walk in here and you almost have to wash your clothes because it gets oily it's like when you walk into a mechanic shop you know walk back where they're working on the car you always walk out and how'd that get there you can't you can't walk into this house no matter if you don't want to be here or not without getting something on you you've got an anointing to commit and connect to elevate things you've got a prophetic destiny God has anointed you for. You might say, I don't know what it is. It's all right. Keep serving in the house. Keep staying in the house of bread. Keep staying in the Father's house. Keep putting yourself in the environment. Keep doing the stuff that nobody else wants to do. And you'll have a visitation from the Holy Spirit. I promise you. It's going to come. And it'll shift everything. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to just drop down in this room. For those that are watching online, I so appreciated the encouragements that I saw as I was looking at that, that thread. Lord, whether it's in this room or whether it's in these homes or on these devices that people are watching, I'm asking you to move in these environments. If you're here today and you, you're identifying, man, I, I I'm identifying that there's something more that God's trying to draw out of me there's an anointing I want to be available for I recognize that these are available to all of us and I don't have to be special to have it I just got to be a child of God I just got to be a Jesus follower and if that's you and you're ready to you're ready to elevate you're ready to consecrate you're ready to step up it's a little old fashioned but I'm just going to challenge you to just stand to your feet. Or if you're watching online, just put up that hand emoji. Come on, just say, I'm ready to elevate. I want to take this next level. Next level worship. Next level generosity. Next, ge- next level impact. Next level healing. Would you do something right now? Would you just stretch your hands toward heaven? Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to sweep across this room. I'm asking you to pour out the oil. Pour out the anointing. Pour out the oil of gladness. The oil of healing. The oil of restoration. I bind the spirit of oppression right now in the name of Jesus. I take authority over sickness and disease. I command health and healing to come into the hearts and the bodies of those that are standing in this room and watching online. Father, I thank you that right now there's an anointing that's breaking yokes. People that are bound to burdens that they don't and aren't called to carry. Break that yoke through the anointing. But there are people that are looking for direction and they just don't know what to do. And so, Lord, I'm asking you to reformat their calling to serve the house. And as you do that, Lord, there's going to be a visitation from heaven. Sweep over them right now. Lord, I thank you. This is a house of anointing. This is a house of healing. This is a house of grace and goodness and acceptance and fellowship and worship and destiny and consecration. And Lord, we pray it for your glory. Right now. In Jesus' name. Someone in the room just shout amen. Amen. Come on, I mean shout amen. Come on, somebody. Come on, give Jesus the greatest clap offering you've got right
0: now. Stay standing. That was awesome. We say around here that he who... When God appoints somebody, he anoints somebody. You've been appointed for a road trip, a journey, a lifetime, a lifetime journey with Jesus. And it would be unlike God if he didn't give you the God touch, the anointing, for you to fulfill the mission that God has for you. Amen, somebody? Hey, I I realize this, that sometimes people come to church and maybe you've been distant from God. I love God because he continues to find us. Today, if you find yourself distant from God, you say, I need to submit and surrender my life to Jesus. I'm going to lead us in this prayer. I'm going to invite all of us to pray, both those in person and those online as well. If you're saying, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life, just, just pray with me. Let's all agree together. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming after me. Today, I open my heart. I invite you into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I repent of my sins and my selfish ways. I surrender fully to you. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me a fresh start, a new beginning. Thank you for the anointing on my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's tell all of our friends who prayed that well done.